Would you turn to our scripture that we've been looking at every night this week? Isaiah, the first chapter. In the 18th verse, Isaiah 1 and 18. Qualifications. Qualifying for God's best are mentioned right here. He talks about the cleansing and forgiveness of sin. In verse 18 when he says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Let me ask you again, is that for us nowadays? Cleansing of sin. Righteousness restored. Then is the next verse for us too. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with a sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Is it God's will for us to be willing and obedient? Yes, then it must be equally his will for us to enjoy the good of the land. Not the good of heaven. Thank God one day we will enjoy heaven's best. And won't that be a time? But do we have to just, you know, get by with nothing here and subsist and and just look forward to, to heaven and that's it? Or can we have some days of heaven right here on the earth? I'm quoting scripture now. Can we enjoy the earnest of our inheritance? A foretaste of the glory that shall be ours. Did Jesus have a good news message for the poor? And is it still belong to us today? Does redemption include the material financial part of life? Or is it spiritual only? No, we read it just a minute ago. But just like the scripture says, he took our sins upon him. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains. It also says, we just got through reading it, he became poor. Amen. With our poverty so that we might be made rich. He did. It's, it, it belongs to us. God didn't create all this, uh, all the fine stuff that's in the earth. And oh, there's some finery in the earth. There's some fine stuff. Did he create it for the devil and his bunch? For people that don't even believe in him? For people that just do stuff that hurt people? Is it just for the ungodly? Or is it for God's people? Well, who are God's people? We're part of God's people. And God's will is that we enjoy the best of the land. Land is down here. Heaven is later on, but land. But you got to qualify. We told you the story of Dr. Hagen that I had the privilege of serving with for so many years. He talked about how when he left his last church, about how he was doing so poorly financially. And he got to seeking the Lord and even fasting and saying, Lord, I've obeyed you. But I'm in trouble. And he quoted the scripture to him. You told me if I would obey you, I'd eat the good of the land. And I've been doing this. But I'm just going month to month in the hole. And eventually the Lord spoke to him and said, well, the problem is you don't qualify. He said, what do you mean I don't qualify? I did what you told me to do. I've gone out on the road here. I left my comfort. I left my security. He said, you did it, but not willing. So you don't qualify. So, I mean, that tells us a lot right there, doesn't it? I mean, what if you're obedient, but not willing? Don't qualify. What if you're willing but not obedient? Don't qualify. 
And that would explain why some people are not enjoying more than they are. But he said he made the adjustment inside. He said, I'm willing now. You know I'm willing. The devil knows I'm willing. And sure enough, he began to come up from that point and was blessed, blessed. And oh, what a blessing. I mean, he's, he was, uh, I guess for many years, the biggest contributor to Rama and to the school out there. And he was the head of it. I'd like to be the biggest giver in this church. I know some of you gunning for me on that one, but that's all right. I mean, that's a good competition there. I mean, and we're just happy if somebody beats us. But, you know, uh, that's a good thing to desire, isn't it? I, you know, I get aggravated with poor mouth preachers. Because they misrepresent us. Begging. Oh, could you do something for the church? Could you give the church a discount? Could you give us a break? How about a preacher discount? Could you give me a preacher discount? Listen. If God's as big as we say he is, and if he's as rich as we sit up here and sing, God is a rich God. Yes, he is. And then go out, could you give me a preacher discount? Well, that's inconsistent, isn't it? No. We ought to be the ones with extra. Amen. We ought to be the ones helping others, not begging. And if it ain't working for the preacher, why would we think it's going to work for the person in the pew? No, it does work. For the preacher and for anybody that will believe. Can I get a witness on anybody? You believe this works. It's God's will for you to be blessed financially and materially. And you've sown. Man, we've sown some good seed here tonight. What are we doing? Setting ourselves up for 2004? (laughs) Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Setting yourself up. Amen. We are going to have a rocking 2004. Amen. You watch and see. But the Lord's already told us. I mean, we've had some wonderful things happen in 2002 and 3. And the Lord told us in a time of prayer. He said, greater things than these you will see. I wrote it down. I'm holding on to it. Amen. You should too. Turn with me, please, to Genesis, the 12th chapter. And let's go further this evening talking about the blessing. Can you take a little more on the blessing? The blessing belongs to every child of God. Jesus became a curse for us. Galatians 3 says, right? He he has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Because it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. And he took the curse on himself so that the blessing. I like just saying it. The blessing. Do you like saying it? Well, then say it when it comes around again. So that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through our faith in Jesus Christ. We might receive the promise of the Spirit by faith. And he did. And we are. Right? Are we blessed? I'm excited about this because this, this is churning in people's spirits. And the bigger it gets, the more results we're going to see. The more fruit we're going to see. Right? We saw examples in, in the book about how God told them, I'm going to send my blessing on your land in the, third, in the seventh year, and it'll produce enough for three years in one year. Whew, I'm going to command the blessing on you. Everything you put your hand to is going to prosper. 
He told Isaac, he said, stay right where I tell you to stay. Sow right there. And he reaped in one year, one hundredfold. Can that still happen today? Yeah, it can happen. But notice again, what exactly is the blessing of Abraham? Genesis, the 12th chapter. Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get you out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house unto a land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. How many believe it's God's will for this country to be a great nation? United States of America. You understand these folk got to quit talking about taking God out of stuff though. Hmm? There's more of us than there are of them. But we got to speak up. We can't just let them, we can't just sit by while legislation is passed to remove God from everything. Because it'll cost us. It has already cost us. And, and you and I got to believe against this, right? And speak against it and pray against it and very importantly, register and vote against it. Yeah. Amen. Well, it won't do any good. Yes, it will. Register and vote for people who believe in God. And stand up for God. And want God in things. And when you hear about people say, we're going to take God out of this. And we're going to take God out of that. You stand up in front of your TV and say, no. No, we ain't having it that way. And you get down and start praying about it. Amen. And speak against it. And and use your faith against it. And write your congressman. Write your senator. Say, hey, who do you think you represent? You know how many of us it is out here? We want God in. Not out. Amen. Amen. That's why this nation is the way it is. That's why we are as strong as we are. Is because it was a nation built upon faith in God. One nation. Under God. The God. Right? God of, what God? I mean, you know, people talk about, well, it's built upon, you know, freedom of religion. This country was not built on freedom of religion. It was built on freedom to worship God. It was. People are trying to pervert it. And the same laws that protect our right to worship protect Satan worship. For our forefathers never had such a thing in mind. No. We're to be a nation so blessed. Amen. That people look at us in their poverty and in their drought and in their war and go, what have they got that we don't have? We want their God. Amen. Because their God's good to them. He protects them and heals them and makes them rich and keeps them happy. Amen. He's a good God. That's what he said. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. And I'll make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. What is the blessing of Abraham? The first principle, foundational part of it is, he will bless us, and we will be a blessing. Said out loud, I am blessed. And I am a blessing. And I will be a blessing. I am blessed to be a blessing. This blessing is yours. Now, something I want you to notice, though, we've already talked about this. If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Abraham was willing, wasn't he? And Abraham was obedient. 
When God told him, leave your daddy, leave your mama, leave your kinfolks, leave your stuff, go where I tell you to go. Do what he was willing to do it and he did it. And God said, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to keep you and I'm going to bless you. But Abram was not a covetous man. He was a giver, wasn't he? He was a giver. In the very next chapter, the 13th chapter, we see the effects of the blessing. God told him to leave. He packed up and left. And in 13.1, Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot was with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cows, in silver, in gold. Verse 5, Lot also which went up with Abram had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together. Their substance was so great. And you know the story how that Abram went to Lot. The younger. How many understand this man Lot wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for God and Abraham? I mean, he wasn't even his, uh, his natural seed. This is his, uh, his brother's boy. But he lets him come with him and takes him in when his family is not there for him. And when Abraham buys cows, he gives Lot a little money and says, you want to buy a cow? <laughs> and then when Abraham sells his cow, he said, you might want to sell yours now. And so he followed Abraham around until Lot becomes rich. When Abraham bought, he bought. When Abraham sold, he sold. Does it make any difference who you hook up with? Oh, it does. And the blessing is on Abraham. So whoever's tagging along with Abraham gets blessing, even if it's sloshed over blessing. (laughs) He got rich just hanging around with Abraham. Does it make any difference what church you go to? It does. If they preach to you and tell you, God may want you poor all your life, you think that's not going to have an effect on you? Well, I went belly up, my my business went bankrupt, and they say, well, God may be trying to teach you something. If it's God's will for you to, you know, be broke, then you just have to submit to the will. Is that kind of thinking and hearing that kind of preaching all the time, could that affect you? Stand around people that are tight and stingy, won't ever pay for a meal. Always waiting for somebody else to step up and do it. Always waiting for somebody else to, and if you're around people like that all the time, will that affect you? Yeah. yeah. Evil communications corrupt good manners. I prayed years ago, and man, it was a good prayer. The Lord dealt with me. I said, Lord, hook me up with the people. That have the vision that I need to get. That have a bigger vision and bigger faith than I do. That will help me and feed me. That I can be a blessing too. But that I can come up from where I am. And thank God over the years. He's hooked me up with some. I mean I get to thinking we're doing pretty good. And I go rub shoulders with some of my other buddies. And and they say well you know we did this. And it cost two million last week. And they're going to do this. And it's 15. I say whoo yeah yeah yeah. And the budget for this is $2 million a month. And I'm going, yeah, right. Glory. And I go back home and think, i got to get with the program, man. I mean, I got, we got to stir up because we're not there. But we got time. Yeah. And for where we are, I believe we're doing good. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. But we're not going to stay where we are. Yeah. Right? We're coming up. How many would suit you real good if the Lord tears his coming and you were able to give 500 tonight, but in five years' time you could give 50,000? Huh? Just as easily as you gave that 500 or 50. Or if you could give 5,000 just as easy as you gave 50. Uh, two years from now, 
three years from now. Is that the will of God? That you come up, that you, is he not the God of increase? God of increase. He is. But again, you must qualify. And you must be willing and you must be obedient. Now you must not be covetous. God's not opposed to us being rich. I mean rich. It's his will. But he is opposed to us being selfish and covetous. He is opposed to that. That's how people get things mixed up. They say, well, money's the root of all evil. It's not. Bible didn't say that. Said the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not the money. You you can do something good with money or you can do something bad with money. Money just helps you express yourself bigger. More money, if you're a good person, more good things will get done. If you're a bad person, more bad stuff will get done. More money and ability you have. It's the love of money that's the problem. But you, you must pass tests. I've seen this. Phyllis and I over the years, you have to pass tests. Now this is willing and obedient. Pass tests to qualify for the next level of God's blessing. And it starts with $5. It starts with $2. Will you obey God with $5? Will you be a person of integrity with $10? You drive through the uh, uh, fast food drive through and the, the bill's $8. And uh, you, you give them a 10 and they give you a 20 back and some change. And you peel out and go around the corner and go, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> the Lord's blessing me today. Uh-uh, it's a test. I said, it's a test. And you're either going to flunk it or you're going to pass it. And if you're unwilling to take that money back, and if you're unwilling, you know, the Bible says one of the characteristics of a person of God, the psalmist said, is somebody who will swear to their own hurt and not change. If you said you would do it and you put your word on it, then even if it costs you, you stay to your word. Right? And if you don't, you will disqualify yourself. From the blessings of God. Look what kind of man could get the blessing of Abraham. What kind of man is this man? This is the elder. He's the rich man. He's the senior. He's the man in covenant with God. God calls him his friend. He's the man with the blessing on his life. And he goes to the younger lot who wouldn't have two dimes to rub together. If it wasn't for his association with him. And he says look. I have heard that our employees are having problems, strife, because the pastures are too small for all of our cows and our sheep and our goats. He said, look, we're family. We're brethren. We can't have this strife. So what does he say? What do you want? You pick the land you want, and I'll take what's left. He's the elder. He's the senior. He's the covenant man. He's, but he turns and graciously says to the younger. He said, you take, you take the west, I'll take the east. You take this, I'll go the other. Whatever you take, I'll go the other way. You pick. How many understand this was a test for Lot? And he flunked it. I said, he flunked it. He said, well, let's just read it a little bit. You know it. But he, uh, Verse 10, verse 9, 
Abraham said, is the whole land not before you? Separate yourself from me, I pray. And if you'll take the left hand, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered. Everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord. Like the land of Egypt. And verse 11, Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. He chose all the best of what was there. And Abraham didn't say a word. He said, fine. Great. And he went toward the dry land. How many understand Lot has done an ignorant thing? Hasn't he? Hasn't remembered where he's come from. Hasn't remembered how the blessing came on his life. You know what Lot should have said? No, sir. No, sir. No, 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 no. Now, no. You tell me what you want to do. And about this separating from you, please, I don't want to. I'll have a cow sale. (laughs) I will have a big cow sale. But I want to stay hooked up with you. To have enough sense to know his association was causing the blessing to come into his life. How many realize, without me reading the rest of the story, you realize that in just a a short amount of time, Lot has no wife, has no livestock, has no money, has no possessions. It all got wiped away with Sodom and Gomorrah. Is up in the mountains in incest with his daughters. That's what he's reduced to. With nothing. Why? Why? Failed a test. Does it matter that you obey God? That you show honor to God's chosen and respect God's anointing and God's word and God's things? Listen to this phrase. You might want to write it down. Always defer to the higher anointing. Always defer to the higher anointing or to the higher place. And be able to recognize it. Phyllis and I have been this way for years. There are certain people, if they pick up the phone and they call me, it doesn't matter what's going on or what it costs to do what they'd like to have done. That's going to take precedent over anything. Thank God the Lord helped us. We did that with the Hagins for years. We'd come in from a meeting, and, and I don't care if we had desk pile full of stuff and important ministry business, if they called and said they wanted to go shopping, we dropped everything and walked out the door. Someone said, yeah, but that's shopping, and this is spiritual stuff. Yes, but I, I, where would I be in ministry? If he hadn't taught me what he taught me and God used him, I came there dumb as a post. Red Mississippi mud between my toes. He put me up to preach when I didn't know anything. You understand what I'm talking about? So if the man wants to eat enchiladas, we're going to eat enchiladas. Right? As many as he wants. How many know what I'm talking about? Everything else, you included, going to have to wait. What are they doing? Having a big prayer meeting? Ain't none of your business. The man wants enchiladas. Phyllis and I sometimes spend half a night looking for the right size bar of soap. And I got my own ministry. I'm going all over the place, preaching to big crowds. But they said they wanted the family size bar of soap. And we couldn't find it. So we searched the city. Prayed in tongues. Somebody said, you're out there looking for a bar of soap. You better believe it. Why? Higher anointing. 
higher place. Do you understand? So many people don't understand this. We live in a generation of people who do not understand respect. For elders, our parents, our God, or the Word. It's a sad thing. We are suffering from the rebellion. To this day, we're suffering from the rebellion of the 50s and 60s. Oh, but there's a crowd of us. I said there's a crowd of us that love God and want to honor God. And want to show Him the right deference and respect. And He's teaching us. And we're learning. And it's part of qualifying for His best. You've got to pass tests. Abraham passed the test by his graciousness, didn't he? He said, no, we're not going to fight over this. You understand, we're talking about a lot of money. We're talking about huge herds, vast tracts of land. Today, you'd have been talking about at least, probably at least hundreds of millions of dollars. And he just backs up and says, no, now you just take what you want. It takes faith to do that. You got to know who your source is. Amen. And he walked away. I believe he was a happy man. Packed up his stuff and went out there in the desert where there wasn't enough water. And he wasn't out there a day. And the Lord said, "Uh, Abram? Yes, sir. He said, come out here. I want to talk to you. He said, "Uh uh-huh. He said, climb up on this rock here. He said, look north. He said, okay. He said, look east, all right? South, yeah, west. You see all that? He said, I'm giving you all of this. That includes what Lot just took. He said, I'm going to give you the whole thing. It pays to walk in love. It pays to walk in faith. Keep reading. Go on over to the uh, 14th chapter. We're talking about how you qualify for God's best. Did Abraham enjoy God's best in this life? Who are you kidding? He was so rich. Kings respected him. You talk about a rich man. He was extremely rich. But he passed tests. And I'm telling you about some of the tests he passed. Here's another one. Lot, you know, left Abram. You know, people don't realize the place of leaders and the anointing that even certain key people in families, the spiritual weight they carry. Until they're gone. I've seen families. That didn't realize. That grandpa. Or grandma. Or daddy. Was carrying that family in faith. And they took them for granted. And everything just seemed so wonderful and great. Until they went home. And then people began to wonder. Oh. I'm talking about families. Not not even ministries and churches. I'm just talking about families. What do we do? And people act like they didn't know what to do. There's an anointing on key figures and leaders. Abraham was the man in his family. And if Lot had had any sense, he would have realized that. But see, he got deceived into thinking, I got money too. I got a lot of money. I can do my own thing. So he leaves that spiritual influence. How many know what else he's leaving? The blessing. Next thing you know, he pitches his tent not too far from Sodom and Gomorrah. Because he likes the music. And you know, they got a lot of pretty girls out there. And a lot of them are not clothed very much. The Bible said Lot was a righteous man. He wasn't a bad man. 
But his wife liked Sodom and Gomorrah a lot. Next thing you know, he lives in Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you see what I'm talking about? When people get away from that strong spiritual influence. Have you ever seen this? You know, the Bible talks about whole nations. As long as a certain king lived, they served God. But when he went off the scene, whole nation backslid. Well, we need, we need to thank God for our leaders. Brother Lester Summerall used to say this when I was, you know, just, just first in the ministry. I'd hear him say this, and boy, I see it so clearly now. He said, so many people do not realize greatness in their midst until it's gone. They don't realize the cohesion and the strength. Leaders are important. People like to think, well, we could do that without them. I, I've seen churches, you pull the leader out, and it never is the same. Ministries, the, the leader goes home and it's never the same. Your family is that way. You got a grandma that knows God. You got a daddy and a mama that knows God. You got people that know God. You better be thanking God for that. And don't take it for granted. And you better be watching them and learning everything you can because they're going to finish their job and go on and somebody else has got to step up. You. I said, you. There come a time when you can't go to other people. You tell me what to do. You pray for me. You believe with me. No, you'll be the one they're coming to. And you can't crumble and fall. You got to stand up and say, I know the same God. Amen. And I know that I'm in covenant too. And I know that I'm blessed. Amen. I'm talking about you. I'm so glad for our men in the church here. Thank God for women. And men. But a lot of churches, you'll see mostly women taking the spiritual lead. Thank God for women that are spiritual. But how many understand the man's not supposed to stay at the house and watch TV? While the woman says, come on kids, let's go to church and serve God. Well, yeah, honey, you teach them something about God. They're going to miss whole realms of things in their life if they don't see you be a man. See, people, have, they got it all twisted around. They think, well, you know, that all that religion stuff, that's just for the weak. It's a, it's a mental and emotional crutch for weak people that need that. No, it's the strong people yeah. who, no matter what other people think, will stand up and have faith in God. Amen. It's the weak ones that conform to the unbelief of the world. Amen. I mean, the, the gospel is the strong man's gospel. And I'm so glad at our marriage meeting, Phyllis was talking about we're going to have that again this year. Man, we had a bunch of men come in here. Bunch of men. And we sat down and we talked about real life and real stuff. And we talked about praying in public and not ashamed of Jesus and leading the family. Amen. Boy, that does my heart good. See a bunch of men stand up and say, we're not afraid. We're going to be men for Jesus. We know where our blessing comes from. We know our God is our contact, our source for all. You see Abram pass another test right here. Chapter 14, are you there? Lot is living in Sodom and Gomorrah. Next thing you know, enemy kings come to there, conquer the cities, take all the people and all the stuff away, including Lot. And Abraham sought the Lord. And the Lord told him, go take them back. He's not a king. He doesn't have an army, but he has enough employees. 
He has enough employees and enough friends. So he says, guys, now this was, this was his office people and his gardeners and his housekeepers. He said, y'all got some weapons? Better sharpen them up. We go and fight. They went and fought trained warriors. And because they had somebody with them and because they had something on them, the blessing, they whooped them and run them away. And took all the stuff and all the people save Lot's hide. How many know Lot ought to be thinking seriously about moving right now? Shouldn't he? Coming back. Just got his hands untied from all being about to be sold as a slave. He should have been saying, Uncle Abraham, Uncle Abraham, would you let me come back? I missed it. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I sent you out in the desert and took the... But no, still ignorant. Went, moved back into Sodom and Gomorrah. But look what happened. What's the first thing Abraham did? They got this great victory. And in verse 17, the king of Sodom came out to meet him. Verse 18, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High God, and he blessed him. And he did what? I tell you, man, this man's blessed every way he turns around. I mean, he blessed him. And he said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, who've delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham said, Yeah, and here's the tithe. <laughs> what kind of people get blessed like this? Givers. Tithers. People who walk in. He said, here is 10% of all this stuff. This is the wealth of two cities. Plus some stuff he picked up that they left behind running away. 10% of everything. To the church. It's a lot of money here. And the king of Sodom, I'm, I'm sure he was concerned right now because he ain't got no power. Abram could have been king of Sodom and Gomorrah and everything around right now if he wanted to. Thank God he had enough sense he didn't want Sodom and Gomorrah. The king said, would you let me have the people and you can take all the goods to yourself? We're talking about who knows how much money. Abram said to the king, I've already lifted up my hand to the Lord, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth. I will not take even a thread or a shoelace. I won't take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I made Abraham rich. Everybody say, pass the test. It's a big test. How many understand, it's not just having money. It's not having stuff. It's how you got it. That's the big deal. Does it make a big difference how you get stuff? Oh, it does. Makes all the difference. I've got a few things. I, I, I don't, I don't believe I've even anywhere like rich ought to be, but I'm heading that way. But I got a few things, a few nice things, and I don't care who knows about it, and I'm not the least bit ashamed of it, because I didn't lie to anybody to get one of it. I didn't steal one offering to get one of it. It came the right way. So much of it, God, I sowed my seed and I claimed one. Some things didn't tell anybody. Nobody knew, but somebody, I wanted a grand piano. How many know grand pianos are not cheap? That's right. 
And over the years, I won't tell you the whole story, but I had sown three, was it two or three? Two pianos I had given to other people away. And the last one, I had had cabinet pianos. I wanted a nice grand piano. So I'd sown, I've given away two pianos. I got piano seed in the ground. And I claimed a piano harvest. And I went, I don't know, was it two or three years, I guess, and we didn't have a piano. You know, how many understand you sow acorn seed, you don't have a big oak tree by next week. Some things take a little time. But I tell you what, we were out in a meeting one time in another state. And this lady calls. She said, God had me awake last night in another state. She said, are you believing for a piano? I said, I sure am. I haven't told anybody. Nobody except God. She said, what kind are you believing for? I said, a grand. She said, not a problem. She said, what kind of grand do you want? I said, I would like an ivory Yamaha. She said, not a problem. She got to making calls. But she called me back the next day. She said, Brother Keith, I got the money. The money's not a problem. The ivory, they make ebony and they make bright white. But ivory. I said, well... Let me pray again. I think there's one out there. <laughs> she said, okay, I'll keep looking. I've called, I've called New York. I've called L.A. I've called Chicago. I can't find one. She said, Yo, they said they'll make you one. It'll take two years. I said, no. She called back the very, we prayed over the phone. Called back the very next day. She said, you won't believe it. I said, I better will. <laughs> she said, they found one. In a warehouse up in the northeast, somebody out in Las Vegas had ordered it for their house, ivory, Yamaha. Nobody even knew it was there. It's brand new. It's still in the crate. She said, it'll be at your house when you get home. We got home, walked in the door. There it was. Ivory, Yamaha, grand, paid for, paid for. Yeah, it cost a lot of money. Am I embarrassed? Obviously not. I'm telling you. Not one offering, not one dollar of any offering went to that piano. Why should I be embarrassed about something God gave me? I shouldn't be embarrassed. I'm just saying that why? It's not what you have. It's how you got it. Now, if I'd have stood up and took up an offering to build an orphanage in Haiti and, and went and bought a Ferrari with the money... That's something to be ashamed of. And it's something to be scared about. Not only from the IRS getting you or some other thing. But that's God's money. You tell it, you think you can steal from God like that and be blessed? No, it's going to catch up with you. But even if you've made mistakes in the past, ask God to forgive you. Ask Him to forgive you. Well, I, whew, Boy, you can say a lot of things right there. He said, nope, nope. I'm not taking any of that. Now go finally to the 22nd chapter. Genesis 22. What kind of man gets blessed like Abraham? It's a man that qualifies. All this week we've been talking about qualification. How do you qualify to be rich like Abraham? To have the power to be a blessing. you got to be willing and you've got to be obedient. Obedient means you've got to pass tests. Boy, here was a big one here. Anybody know what happened in this chapter? Oh, man. Genesis 
What did I tell you? 22, is that what it is? Are you there? Genesis 22, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Really a better word is test. And said to Abraham, he called to him. Abraham said, here I am. Verse 2, he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Get you up to the land of Moriah. Offer him there for a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you of. Boy, it's not hard to see why this man is in the Bible. Is it? He's in covenant with God. What does covenant mean? They shouted about it back in chapter 12. And years ago, God said, I'm your God. He said, I'm your man. Abraham said, everything I got yours. God said, everything I have is yours. We're in covenant. Now that makes you shout. But then one day God says, uh, Abram, you and me is in covenant. He said, yes, sir. Everything you got's mine. That's right. What you want, you call it. He said, uh, Isaac. Isaac. Only boy. Only son. You want Isaac? Yeah, I want Isaac. So verse 3, what happened? Huh? I don't mean a week from then. Not a month from then. What? Not late in the day. Does this do anything for you like it does for me? He got up. He said, Isaac, load the donkey. You and I go on to sacrifice to Jehovah. Got up early that morning. Headed out. They climbed the mountain. After a while, Isaac says, uh, Daddy, we got the fire in the pot. We got the wood. We already left everybody. Where's the sacrifice? Abram says some faith words. God will provide. He'll provide himself a sacrifice. Come on. But it tells you volumes about what kind of father and what kind of man he was. When he looks at this, this boy is a teenage boy. He's big enough to fight with this older gentleman. He's big enough to run away and not be caught. When Abram gets up at the top, he says, go ahead and build the fire. Put the wood up there. Go ahead and get it right. Where's the big knife at? Give me the knife. He looked at him and said, son, you the sacrifice. Go ahead and get up on the altar. And what did he do? Daddy, you've heard from Jehovah? I have, son. People misunderstand this. They think that they're up there crying. The book of Hebrews tells us that Abraham was convinced. God had given him a word and told him that this promise of his seed being like the stars in the sky and the sand on the shore was going to come through Isaac. He had named him. So Abraham, that night, no doubt, he'd figured this out in his heart and head. He said, now come on. If he dies... How could that word come to pass? Because he didn't just say through your seed. He said through Isaac. He said, I see it. God's going to have to raise him from the dead. And without realizing it, he's believing for the the resurrection. He's believing for the resurrection. And that's why he turned back and told his helpers, you stay right there. I and the boy will be back. 
He fully expected to kill him. He fully expected him to die. And he fully expected God to raise that boy from the dead and take him back down that mountaintop. And his boy had so much confidence in him that he believed it too. He'd watched his daddy all his life and he said, well, daddy's always heard from God. And when he said it was God, it was God. And daddy, this is a biggie. But if you, you've heard from God, he said, I have son. Yes, sir. And he got up on the, on the altar. Does this do something for you? Abram raised that big old knife. He said, son, close your eyes. But don't worry, it won't be long. Jehovah's going to get you back up. And he starts to plunge that knife in that boy. And the angel yells, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, don't lay your hand on the boy. Don't do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. We're talking about qualifying for God's best, aren't we? He said, uh, Abraham looked up and there was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And he put him out there on the altar and offered him up instead of his son. How many know this has got gospel? This has got Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection written all over. Why? Jesus was the lamb offered and God is the father who gave his only begotten son, but he had to have a legal right to do it in the earth because of his righteousness and his covenant man gave him his only son. And God says, I got a right to give my only son. Oh, hallelujah. We're talking about qualifying for God's best. And listen, Abraham called them. Don't you imagine there were some happy people up on that place? He called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. Because he said, in the mount of the Lord, it'll be seen provision. The Lord sees ahead and provides the supply. And the angel of the Lord called Abraham the second time. He said, by myself have I sworn, says the Lord. How many understand this is serious business? I mean, Jehovah God has stood up off the throne. There ain't nobody bigger to swear by. His word cannot fail. He cannot lie. But to show how strong this is, he says, I swear. By myself. What? What? Because you've done this thing and have not withheld. Everybody say withheld. Do you see how people disqualify themselves? God puts his finger on something in their life. says, I want you to give this to me. I want you to do this for me. I want you to follow me on this. Do you see one reason why I didn't preach this before the offering? I'm not trying to move you to give. But you see how you qualify, not just at church, but everywhere in life. There will be times God will put his finger on your Isaac and he'll say, I want you to give that to me. I want you to do this with me. And friends, some things you can go, that? That? Oh, but be like Abraham. Get up early in the morning and say, here it is. Here it is. God, I know you're good enough to know you never took anything away from me. And if you said you want this, here it is. Here it is. I do it gladly. Next thing you know, God will be telling you things like this. He said, because you've not withheld this from me, 
I have sworn to you by myself. Verse 17, can you see it? Verse 17, that in blessing I will bless you and in multiplying I will multiply you. Your seed is the stars of heaven, sand on the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Why? 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 Because you qualify. Why do you qualify for all this? Because you have obeyed my voice. You've obeyed my voice. Hallelujah. Turn to Luke 16 and let me tell you this story. I think I'm done. The Lord's helping us tonight, isn't he? Dr. Kenneth Hagin, my spiritual father in the faith. He tells about how God taught him, like I told you in the beginning of every night, about how God taught him how to qualify by being willing and obedient. But if you read some of his other books and have heard some of his other message, he tells some cases just like this about how he was able to pass tests after that. And qualify. One was on an occasion when he was pastoring a small church in Texas, and a fellow came by to visit. And he, he said he was a preacher, and he said uh, this was during the depression now. And he said, "Would you like to preach for us?" And the man said, "No." He was embarrassed, and he was a young preacher, and he had kin folks around, and he didn't want them seeing him. And he said, no, please, I'd rather not. And oh, before the night was over, the Lord dealt with him, give that man $10. Now, $10 don't sound big today, but as he would always go into detail talking about how, you know, people work all day for a dollar a day. And how he, his whole pay for a month was twelve fifty. And $10 was big to him. And he struggled with that. And he thought, Lord, $10. And he finally got prayed through on it, and he brought the $10 and put it in that man's hand and come to find out the man got off the bus at that place because that's all the money he had. He didn't have anything in his hand, and that $10 enabled he and his whole family to have Christmas. In the Depression, $10 would go that far. And he said several years later, a similar thing happened. A minister came through town that he had seen at a convention, and, and he asked him to, to speak for him at the little church. And uh, before the day was over, the Lord dealt with him, give him $12.50, $12.50, which was a whole month's pay. And he said, man, he didn't hear anything the man said all, all night in the service, because he thought, Lord, $12.50, I got this coming up, and I got that coming up, $12.50. But he did it. It was in quarters and nickels. And he took and filled up his pockets with them. (laughs) And the man left that place and was successful in an area of ministry. But here's the thing. He said some years after that. Everybody say years. Years. Some years after that. They went and visited a woman. Who was pronounced terminal. Was on her deathbed wasted to nothing. And they're praying around the bed. And the Holy Ghost spoke to him. Said get up from there. Go stand at the foot of the bed. And command a certain kind of thing that was oppressing her to to come out of her. Command her to be healed and to get up and walk. The anointing came on him. He did it. The woman got up off the bed. Was healed. Went out in the backyard and had watermelon with them in the afternoon. I mean a miracle. And he said they were riding back. After the watermelon feast and they're shouting and praising God, driving back to home. 
And he said the Lord spoke to him. He said it was just as clear as somebody sitting in the back seat. said, if you hadn't obeyed me in that $10 and then with that $12.50, I couldn't have used you here. Did you hear that? Everybody say past tests. Willing. Obedient. Does it make sense though? If you can't hear God about $5, if you won't obey God with $5, how would you handle the heavier things, the bigger things? Are you there in Luke? Let me show you the scripture for it. Luke 16, verse 10. Luke 16, 10. Are you there? He said, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Or you might say unfaithful. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon. Now what is that? Money. How many stand compared to big things? That's little stuff. Even if it's big amounts of money, there's so many things that are far more valuable than money. There's so many things. How many understand money would not have healed that woman on that bed? He said, if you hadn't been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust what? The true riches. People have got it all wrong. They said, oh, y'all talk about money, and y'all keep talking about money, and y'all keep talking about giving. You ought to talk about spiritual things. We are. We are. Because money is a deal. People spend their life, they spend their hours, they spend the best of years of their, their health and their strength trying to make some. And if they won't obey God with their money, you can count on it. They're not obeying God with other parts of their life either. It's a fact. And we want to be used of God. We want to step out in a strong anointing. We want to hear from God. We'd like God to use us to raise up people like that. Right? But we're kidding ourselves if we think if we don't obey with $20, then he's going to put things like this in our life. True riches. Brother Hagin said he had forgot about those offerings. He hadn't even thought about them in years. And riding back to the house, the Lord said, if you hadn't obeyed me in that $10 and in that $12.50, I couldn't have used you here in this healing tonight. That is significant. I said, that is significant, isn't it? And it's not just giving in church. It's every day. It's everything you do. Every business thing you're involved in. Every family thing you're involved in. I mean, you're, you're something you like. It's family stuff. And somebody wants to pitch a fit about it. And the Lord deals with you. Just, just let them have it. Just smile and say, well, just take what you want. Yeah, but that's my stuff. That's my mama's stuff. Abraham had a right to say something too. Are you failing a test? Yeah, but they owe me that money. And the Lord deals with you. Let it go. Just... Tell them, no, you don't owe me anything. Pass and test. And if you pass and he deals with you, sow that. Give that car to that person in church. Amen. Pay that off for them. Do this. And you think, well, God, I need that money. Myself. He knew it when he told you. He knew where you were at. But you pass test and you pass a test and you pass a test and you pass a test. And then one night God wakes you up, speaks to you, gives you something valuable. Hallelujah. A word. You're standing in front of cancer and faith comes on you. You're standing in front of oppression and the wisdom comes to you. True riches. Things that save marriages. Things that save families. Things that save souls.
true riches. But do you understand how so much of the church world hasn't seen this right at all? They haven't understood. You've got to pass tests in natural stuff. Money and other things to qualify for true riches. So we're going to keep talking about believing God. Amen. We're going to keep talking about stepping up and believing for houses and cars and clothes and things. Because this is where we're, we're learning how to use our faith. And we're learning how to hear from God. And these same skills we learn in these natural things, God's getting us ready for bigger stuff, more important stuff. Amen. And he knows if you'll obey me on that thousand dollars, you'll obey me with that healing. You'll obey me with that deliverance. You'll obey me. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand up on your feet, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.